there's no happy there's no risk when it comes to my happiness like that's not a risk at all like if I had to choose basketball being happy I'm choosing happiness episode 15 of the Outfield Podcast. I'm excited for every show that I do. There's so many great people who are out in sports whose stories are worth telling. I am more excited for this show than I've been in a long time. And that's no offense to anybody else who's been on this show because we have Derek Gordon, who of course played in the NCAA tournament as out gay man, played three different teams in the NCAA tournament. Truly one of the most inspiring stories I think that we can tell on this show or anywhere. LGBTQ Sports. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, all things considered. Uh, I do want to say, firstly, I'm sorry to everybody it took 15 episodes to get a black guest on this show. I really wish it wasn't like that, but it, <laughs> I, I feel bad about that. It took like 13 shows to get a woman on, which again, I felt bad about, and it took 15 shows for black guest. Uh, I've wanted it very badly for obvious reasons, and we'll talk about that later. But first I have to ask Erica, how have you been doing during these uh, bizarre, weird plague times that we live in? Uh, great, actually, uh, believe it or not. I've you know, just been staying very busy, you know, um, with, you know, working out, you know, talking to friends over the phone, of course, and, you know, staying to myself. Because right now, you know, at a point in my life now, you know, my health is the most important thing. Um, and I could be a homebody. So for me, I wasn't the type of person that, you know, was out at the bars and the clubs and stuff like that. I, so being in quarantine, this was almost like, you know, a, a mini vacation for me, if you can say that. So um, it's been just fine with me. I know exactly what you feel because I've been unemployed for four years and been at home anyway. So this is really no different. It's just there's no sports on TV. So I'm watching shows like Spaces Deca Secrets. So. Right catching up on news about comets and Jupiter's moons. You, know, you got to take you got to take what you can get. Uh, I of course there's so much I want to get to with you. First of all, I don't right. believe this is the first guest I've had that's also from New Jersey like I am. I think this is the first one, which obviously great mark oh, to you. The first I'm the first? I think you're the first New Jersey guest on this show. I think. I have to remember and I'm not thinking about it clearly right now, so I think you're the first guest from New Jersey on this show, born and raised in New Jersey, so that's great, obviously, because I am a New Jersey native, as some of you know. No, you're North Jersey, I'm South Jersey, so a little bit different, but, I mean, it's still New Jersey, and it's ironic now, you know, everybody talks about, oh, we want to get out of here, and this is actually a state I'm happy to be in right now, all things considered. Right, yeah, no, it's actually been people been, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing out there, at least, you know, so... It hasn't been too crazy there. It has not been. It was crazy for a while, but it's not as bad now, thankfully. Uh, you're yeah. in L.A., unfortunately. Not not great in Los Angeles, but it's not the worst place I can think of. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start because there's so many things I could ask you about. But I guess I think if people don't know your story, which is uh, I don't think people listening to the show won't know your story. But if not, give people an overview of all that you've done. And I know that's going to be hard to do because you've done so much, but... Tell uh, the people who are not as familiar with your story a little bit about what you uh, have done. Uh, so, of course, I was in a closet up until 2014. Um, I came out at University of Massachusetts Amherst, but before that, I was at Western Kentucky University. Um, came out April 12, 2014 um, on ESPN. Um, 
which was for me back then, I was super nervous because uh, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, but, you know, I, the amount of people who reached out to me as far as, you know, well-known people, celebrities, things of that nature, uh, was pretty cool. Um, but for the most, most importantly, I was able to be myself and not care about what others think anymore or, you know, oh my gosh, I'm hiding something. So for me, that was almost like, yeah, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm back to myself, you know, I don't have to worry about anything, you know, which helped my game out a lot because, you know, that's one of the things I used to think about while I was playing was my sexuality. So, you know, I actually, I started to play a lot better um, when I came out, um, transferred to uh, Seton Hall University for my fifth year, um, so I can be closer to my family. Um, went to the NCAA tournament that year as well. Finished up in college. Uh, was pursuing the NBA. Had an agent in uh, San Francisco, so that's how I ended up there. Um, it didn't work out the first year. Second year, got a different agent. It didn't work out the way I planned. Um, then after that, that got me into becoming a firefighter, uh, which I've done. I did that for a little bit. Um, really wasn't what I expected it all to be. Um, you know, I thought it was more just, you know, putting out fires, but a lot of the calls are, you know, 90, 95% medical. So it's for, you know, someone sick or injury or things like that. And, um, and that wasn't really my speed. So, but it was a great experience. Did that. Um, did some real estate, believe it or not, for a little bit, which that was totally out of bounds for me that was yeah i wasn't really happy doing that um after that got into acting um and that's where things started to take off for me been acting for three years as well as being a personal trainer um and now we're up into this point which you know i just changed careers um not too long ago um but it's a huge change and it's gonna be groundbreaking so i can't speak on that just yet but uh definitely stay tuned for that a, a man of many talents and a man of many uh, adventures i think and we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get to all of them because i think there, there's so much to talk about with this we're gonna start with you and your life i always like to start with the life the family life you grew up in born and played plainfield new jersey that is north jersey beautiful northern new jersey uh places that i used to think about only when driving on the new jersey turnpike same, uh, America's least favorite road. Uh, <laughs> and I also do want to mention before I, I do put this out in the, in the ether first, I still have a slightly allergic reaction to Seton Hall basketball because you don't know this, but people who know me know I'm a University of Maryland alum and I follow very closely Maryland basketball and Maryland has not played well against Seton Hall in recent years and that gives me an allergic reaction. Still thinking about it. So just putting that out I right now. I when Maryland plays, yeah, I almost forgot all about that. Uh, I wish I forgot all about that, especially the most recent game. I really wish I can forget that for the rest of my life, but I can't sear it into my memory. Uh, let's talk about your connection with basketball and your growing up in Plainfield. Basketball, was it your first love? That was the first thing that, you know, you got into? I mean, northern New Jersey is basketball central. It's it's one of the hot spots in the country for basketball. You don't usually think of it as such, but is that one of your first true loves? Actually, no. Believe it or not, I actually... I tried a number of different sports. I was a wrestler. I was a great wrestler. Um, I actually could have played in college. Um, was a great baseball player. Uh, was a catcher, pitcher, and third baseman. 
Um, played football a little bit, but football just didn't was not it for me. Like I could be, I was in the end zone. I remember like it was yesterday. I was in the end zone, wide open. They threw me the ball and I dropped it. And I was by myself. There was nobody around me. And ever since that game, I stopped playing uh, football. Um, and I just knew that that wasn't the sport for me. Um, wish I could have played soccer um, just because I love watching soccer today, um, but never got into it. I think soccer for black kids wasn't like a thing growing up. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why I never got into it. But I kind of wish I did because I think I could have been a really, really, really good soccer player. Um, you know, of course, basketball came up and, you know, I was the tallest person in my family. Um, I was 5'10 in middle school, probably my sixth grade year. Um, and I started to realize and notice um, how good I was in basketball um, than the other sports. Um, and, you know, I could only play one sport in high school. So my parents said I, uh, I can only choose one and I chose basketball. And I think you made the right decision based on some of the games you played. We'll talk a lot about, about all these different schools and what you did. I mean, you made it to the NCAA tournament with three teams. You're the first person to do that. So you, you did something right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no complaints. No complaints. At no, all. no, no, of course not. I mean, you, you talk about all these kids you could play the NCAA tournament. Playing once is, is a heck of an experience. Going three times with three different teams is also pretty insane, especially considering the teams you went with. Uh, and you talk about your family a little bit. Talk a little bit about your family because you have a – a family story that I think is worth telling, and also it, it, it affects a lot of, the, of the, the joy, not just for you with basketball, but how you came to be who you are. So tell a little bit about your family. Um, mother and father, uh, of course, and I have two brothers. Uh, I'm the youngest in my family, um, but the tallest in my family. I have a twin brother. Um, when I was in high school, uh, my senior year, um, no, actually, my junior year, my twin brother got incarcerated. Um, and it kind of like, it, it put, it wasn't a good feeling, uh, to say the least, uh, because I was at a point in my, in my career that, you know, I was one of the top players in the country, um, and in my, my class. And I wasn't going to go to that college unless they took my brother my twin brother and my twin brother was only so big. He was only probably about five, nine. Um, so we always, you know, had thoughts of being roommates in college and things like that. So when he ended up getting arrested, um, it kind of like threw everything off as far as like what I had planned. And, you know, it affected me a lot in a big way because, you know, that's, I mean, anyone who has a twin knows, you know, that's like your other half basically. So it was basically like losing my other half. And um, I still remember uh, the first time I heard him, because I wasn't visiting him, because uh, I couldn't, because I was, you know, had to go to school and things like that. But there was an article that came out um, while we was the day of we were playing St. Anthony's and I attended St. Patrick's High School, which at the time we were number one in the country and St. Anthony's was number two. So it was almost like the national championship game and the article came out and that was the first time and like I've heard from him and the story was on him. They didn't even tell me they were doing that. I just remember my principal bringing the article to my class, having me come out in the hallway and me reading that 
newspaper and literally just breaking down in front of, you know, the principal. Um, Cause like before, as I said, that's the first time I heard, you know, from my brother and, you know, he was talking about me and, you know, how much he, he, you know, puts up, you know, newspaper articles for me um, in his cell and things like that. It was just very touching. Um, unfortunately we lost that game against St. Anthony's, but that was probably one of the best games of my season. Ended up with 27 points that game. Um, but of course, you know, I'm all about winning. But um, but now, you know, my brother, he's, um, he got out in 2014. Um, this was when I was at UMass at the time. Um, and he came to see me play. And that was probably one of the most touching moments just being able to look in the uh, stands and see my brother there watching me play. Mm-hmm. You, did you talk about in some of the stories when you came out about how influential your brother was and you talk about playing for him all the time. And I think that that was one of the other elements of your story that is so touching is you have so much that you went through and you overcame. And again, seeing what happened with your brother to get to where you got to, it was just even made it all the more for people who were on the outside and, and heard your story for the first time and made it all the more impressive just to see what you did. And you talk about playing and you talk about playing for your brother and, you know, it was kind of like vicariously living what he you wished he could have been able to do that he couldn't do when you were playing at such a high level. Yeah. Because um, for one, in, in high school, I mean, it was different because I went to one of the top high schools in the country. He went to Plainfield High School and when he got incarcerated, like, yeah, I remember being at Western Kentucky um, and I had in a frame a picture of me and him, you know, when I went to go visit him and in jail, I had that picture put in a frame and literally every, before every game, before I would go out onto the floor, I would just sit there and look at that picture um, for a little bit. And, you know, sometimes I would get, you know, emotional and, um, you know, sometimes I would just, you know, think of good, our, our good memories. Um, and then I got a tattoo on my arm um, of it's a basketball and it's his name around it. And every time I stepped on that floor, yeah, that's who I was playing for. So, yeah, I mean, and then and then we add on top of it your sexuality, which is something else entirely. Uh, first of all, I should mention you played on a pretty dang good high school team and I wasn't even following recruiting in the same way that I kind of do now. But I mean. You got to talk about some of the kids you played with and played against, because, I mean, and this was this was a while back, but you you think about I, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was one, obviously, and he went to Kentucky. So you had so many great players that you played against, and and that made you even and you're one of the high, top high school recruits in the country. So you 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 got the the trial by fire in many ways. So you're playing in high school, you're playing at that high a level. Yeah, I think that's you know one of the things a lot of people they don't know about me about that until I bring it up. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that you played with, you know, Kyrie and Mike unless I bring it up. And, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the fires that I, you know, while I play the way I do um, is is from, you know, I have to admit, you know, playing against Kyrie and um, Michael um, all the time, you know, it did they just, they bought like a completely, like a whole nother animal out of me. Like, you know, I almost... You know, and I tell people this, you know, when I play, it's almost like I have the mentality of Russell Westbrook just with, you know, the the energy, the, you know, you don't care who's in front of you, you know, is 
Um, you know, I can't forget uh, Dexter Strickland, um, you know, because I remember being in varsity practice and there would be college coaches lined up against the wall. And I'm a freshman, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I'm nervous. Uh, and every every practice, you know, they will make me guard them. Um, and, you know, he's one of the reasons why, you know, my defense was the way it was because, you know, I always, I took on the challenge of, you know, always wanting to, you know, guard the other team's best player and, you know, being able to stop him and Dexter Strickland, you know, at the time, you know, he went to University of North Carolina, uh, McDonald's All-American, you know, probably top 20 in his class, I think, at the time. Um, playing against him in practice and playing against Kyrie, who was, if not, I think, number top five uh, in his class, number one in his position, um, playing against him and guarding him. And it, it just only made me as a better player, you know, more of a competitor standpoint as well, too. I'm going to refrain from making jokes about Kyrie Irving thinking the earth is flat because there's too much I need to get to in this show, and I can't uh, uh, minute tangent about that. Yeah, I people can't do it, I can't do it to you, and I can't do it to the great listeners of this show. There's far too much else to talk about. <laughs> I mean, you can think about that. I mean, you're sitting there, and Mike Krzyzewski, John Calipari, Roy Williams, and numbers of coaches are lined up on the wall, and they're watching all of these kids play, and you're there. And that, and you get noticed in many ways. If you're going to be the attack dog and, you know, you're going out there and you're saying, I want that challenge, these people are going to notice you. And let's yeah, yeah. be bad about it. They, people noticed you because when you take those chances and you put yourself out there as a young kid, even if they don't end up recruiting you, they are going to say, I, I appreciate that he's willing to take on the challenge. They have to notice you. And that's, and that's part of the way I think you played. And that's why you got to where you got to is because you were willing to take on those challenges. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I am I don't regret anything that I did in high school. I think one of the things that I would have done differently is that I would have waited to my senior year to commit. And the reason why I say that is because, I, for one, I wasn't expecting to blow up the way I did um, this summer heading into my junior year. Um, on the AAU circuit and, you know, going to Bob Gibbons tournament in North Carolina, which is probably one of the top tournaments before summer hits that you can go to and being, being the leading scorer of the tournament and the MVP of the championship game and winning the championship game. And um, I was committed at the time. Like I committed to Western Kentucky to end of my sophomore year, um, verbally committed. And, you know, I still remember I was, um, I was leaving school and the coach called me and said, um, I think is uh, is it Seth Green? He used to be a coach at Virginia Tech. I can I, I think it's Seth Greenberg. Yeah, he came there to see me, and I'm like, what? Like, no way! Like, and and I practically fell in love with Virginia Tech. But this was around the time he was on a hot seat too, um, and literally like, probably like two weeks later, he ended up getting fired. Um, but I believe, yeah, if I would have waited. The performance that I did at Bob Gibbons and even, you know, the City of Palms tournament, the beginning of my senior year, having 37, you know, my first game. Um, if I would have waited to like the summertime, like how people usually do, I, I probably would have been able to go to practically any school I wanted to. Um, and I would have been ranked higher and all of those things. But I said, you know what, the reason why I went to Western was because you know, my brother went to Binghamton University, was the assistant coach 
was there at Binghamton at the time. Then when he got the assistant coaching job at Western, that's how that connection happened. Because a lot of people don't know how that happened and why I ended up there. But that was one of the main reasons. It was more of a family thing um, of why I went there. This is why I don't get all that into, you know, the recruiting stuff in the weeds with with Maryland or almost anything else because there's always other stories out there. And I, I can't begrudge any anybody for picking the way they pick and if they change it they can they can change and such yeah. is how this works these are again the high school kids they're going to change their mind and yeah. it happens and, there, and you can and, and if it doesn't work out you have the ability to go to a new school and we see that and you see that definitely happen with you and what's i think made more impressive now when we look back on all that you did is you have your sexuality too that's an added yeah. weight on your shoulders especially as a young kid in a sport where you don't know is anybody out there like me? What and that and that too makes it even more impressive. There's all of this going on, and you're still performing at such a high level. So, I remember seeing somewhere you said you thought you were gay or in around middle school. So, before we get to the evolution of your of your sexuality, <laughs> middle school. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, I almost forgot I said that. You, I, uh, this is why I do my research just to make sure I know what I'm I'm doing. You know. Um, yeah, so talk about that a little bit. It seems like you have fond memories of your middle school days, don't we all? Yeah, I know. To get to be honest, I it, I wasn't thinking about it as much until when I got to probably more of my senior year of high school, uh, freshman year of college. Like in middle school, I, I, I knew I was different. And the reason why I say that is because I would always look at my male teachers like for some reason, I don't know why I'm like, why, why am I doing like, and at the same time, I'm talking to girls too. And, you know, I have a girlfriend and things like that. And, um, I, 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 li- I literally thought, and I always told myself that I thought it was just a phase that I was going through. I was like, ah, oh, maybe this is just something I that I does. And, I get and, yeah. So I, I, be honest with you, I, I, that's exactly what I thought was going on that it was just a phase and it slowly started to pick up. I remember I had a, a gay teacher. He was openly gay at, at in my high school, actually. And, um, you know, he was my teacher, but I never wasn't really, you know, looking at him like that. I looked at him as a friend, but I was like, oh, like, you know, it, I'm not the only one, you know, type of thing. And, um, you know, me and him were very close. And I still remember to this day when I came out, um, he texted me out of the blue and just said, Oh, so what is this about? And this one we haven't spoken in years. And I felt so bad. Um, because my response, I was just like, what are you talking? I just came out and I just left it at that. But I, you know, he, he, he did so much for me when I was in high school, just, you know, with schoolwork and things like that. And, um, I kind of wish I would have handled that answer a lot better than I did. Um, just because of all that he did for me. Um, but for sure, like seeing him, you know, being openly himself um, was even that much more, you know, fascinating, you know, because predominantly St. Pat's was more probably 90, 95%, 98% black um, in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Yep. And he's just being his true authentic self and not caring what people think. Um, I just found that, you know, just... just like wow, like <laughs> you said it better than I could right there. You said it much better than I could. 
Yeah, I, I could never do that. Like in high school, um, yeah, I thought about it plenty of times, but I was just like, yeah, no. Basketball was always on my mind that it blocked all of that. It blocked, you know, me. I to ask, it was like, the, the, so one of the common themes you see with coming out stories are people who go through what you have gone through, less percent me, uh, talk about how the sport kind of blocks out any of the thoughts of your sexuality and you're playing and you're playing. You don't have time to think about anything else. It does. It does. In a, in a, in a sense to a, to a degree though, I will say that because you're not playing basketball 24 hours a day. Um, so whether you're eating in a dining hall or, um, a day off from practice, whatever, like you're going to have moments where it is going to be in your, in the back of your mind, but you're around teammates who are so like, they're talking about this girl and that girl. And in a sense, you have to have input that is kind of like, yeah, like blocking away from like, you know, you being your true self. And, you know, I remember that, especially at, at a Western, um, Western Kentucky and UMass that, you know, being around my teammates, it was just all oh, this girl, that girl, like, oh my gosh, did you see her at the party? And it, and it's like, if you're not saying anything, then they're going to think something. So it's like, I'm sitting there chiming in, lying, basically like, oh yeah, I was with this girl, that girl, and I really wasn't. So it's like, yeah, basketball can distract you to a sense, but there's it's always going to be on the back of your mind. I don't care who you are and what you're doing. There's always going to come to a, it's always going to come to a point where you are going to think about it from time to time. And, you know, if I should tell somebody, like, that's just a normal, we're human at the end of the day. You know, we have feelings and, you know, thoughts and, you know, so for me to even sit up here and to say that, oh yeah, like basketball the whole time was just like, no, I will be lying to myself. Um, if basketball distracted everything, because you have to have a personal life outside of sports. Of course. Um, of course. But I wanted I wanted to get to another thing you brought up, and you're right about that. But I when we talk about sports being a quote unquote distraction, we talk about it in the sense that it, it eats up so much time in your life that when you do think about your sexuality, it isn't something that's like it bangs at you. You know, you hear stories of people coming out that constantly is banging in your head. Uh, right. when you play sports at the high level, you know, and you're and you're at a high level as you were, I mean, there's a lot else going on besides that. But again, it always does weigh on you, and that's why, as I said, your story is even more impressive because you dealt with so much, and you're also this high level, playing at a high level in high school, let alone getting to college and you're doing it. So I want to talk about what you just mentioned, which is the locker room and, and what you heard. Because when I go and talk about certain sports, it's all about the language. It's all about, you know, mm -hmm. you hear homophobic slurs all the time. I do not know what a college basketball locker room is like. Uh, only when I go in to talk to them for media-related purposes, and that's not really reality. So... Right. What was it like? So you talk about talking about girls, and that is something. But is that was that the big thing you heard, or did you actually hear the slurs? Did you hear the other stuff that, or was it just you know I have to talk about girls to keep up appearances? When I was at Western Kentucky, to be honest with you, it wasn't like besides Seton Hall, Western Kentucky was probably my best ex college experience outside of Seton Hall, and the reason why is because it wasn't. Like Western Kentucky, like you're in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> my teammates weren't like how they were at UMass, and this is why every locker room and every college is different. Cause if they were talking about girls, it wasn't like 
guys will be butting in like, oh, like, so what you doing? You going like I was going out with my teammates when I was at Western because back then, honestly, I wasn't thinking about guys so much back then. And I'm I'm a freshman. So I'm like, you know, we're we got one of the top recruiting classes in the class of 2011. I'm the leader of this group. I'm the face of the program. Like, so it's like I was at a point where I got to be wherever my teammates are. Um, and so at Western, it wasn't like that so much. Now, UMass, that was the whole nother ball game. That was like a total 180 um, from Western to UMass. Um, yeah, you heard a lot of, of course, you know, the whole thing people say, the no homo thing, which I absolutely hate. Um, or, you know, you gay or like, like when people, like they, they fling it around as if it's like, it's just normal to them. Like, it's like, it, it, it baffles me sometimes, even if, you know, I wasn't openly gay at the time, like out, I never once like said no homo. Like me personally, even way before when I even realized that, you know, I possibly, you know, I am gay. I never was like that. And that's just, you know, I think that just goes to show, you know, everyone's different. Um, but on two, I just wasn't raised that way either. Um, but you, you get the, yeah, the no homo, the, yeah, stop being gay. And uh, like, like, why are you touching me, bro? Like, like, it's like, it's like kids stuff. It's almost like it, it, it was so immature. Um, that I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't really bond with my teammates that well at UMass. Um, you know, I still remember, you know, there were times where I wasn't really eating with them, um, before I came out, um, you know, let alone after when I came out, I really was, I was eating with, there were two girls who were on the team. I don't know if they were, they were like handling, they were like managers, like handling the water and stuff like that. Two girls who I, you know, really good friends with. I was hanging out, eat, hanging out with them, eating um, in the cafeteria with them. My uh, classmates, because um, my some of my classmates at UMass, they didn't care, um, you know. And I was eating with them, and you know, it was just, it was very, it was very weird. It was, it was a lot that happened at UMass that it was just, it just made me rethink that whole situation on why I even went there. But that's a whole nother thing. Um, and I remember very well when I came out and, you know, a couple of days later, I went into the locker room to take a shower at the practice and I went in the shower and I think it was like three or four of them was in there. And literally as soon as I went in there, they all came out. Um, and he didn't say a word and I said, oh, this is how they're going to play. I was like, okay, I got something for them. So the next day, um, everybody's in the locker room getting ready for um, practice. And I told him, I said, listen, I don't like what y'all did. Like, y'all, you know, that's blatantly. I, I look at that as disrespect, you know, because um, for most of them to, like, say this and that to the media, how much they support me, but then behind the scenes, they're acting like this. You know, I looked at that as complete disrespect. And, you know, I told him, I said, listen, this is my workplace and I will never look at any one of y'all. But I said, listen, even if we weren't in a workspace, ne neither of y'all are my type anyway. 
So I want to look at y'all regardless. And they, the look on their face when I said that, because I was upset. I was like, come on, you can't go from like saying this and that to the media, but then going around, like the look that I gave them, it was like, yeah, they, 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 so they didn't do it again. Let's Every just, yeah, single um, gay, bisexual, man, woman, everybody's wanted to do that. Everybody has wanted to do that. And you did it. And so kudos to you. Cause I, <laughs> this is fantasy for everybody. Cause like you could, you know, like you, you want to say like, even if you were interested, I wouldn't do that anyway. You know, like, wouldn't you want to say that, right? Yeah, you feel yeah. like it is, it is, it is the stuff like that. And you had had a litany of experiences of hearing the language, and we have the term microaggressions now that better describes that. And you go through all of that, all that, all that. But then to see them say, I support you, it's great that we have you as a teammate, and then to do that, right. not just one, but three or four of them. And again, I would be like, I. I consider myself as somebody who would be pretty outspoken, but even, you know, even something like that, like there's no way that I could have resisted because that, I mean, yeah. like your teammate, like, what are you, like you, we, you and, and in the case of you, you came out, you just made it to the NCAA tournament. You were six seed that year. You're a pretty dang good team. And that happened. It just yeah. like, I would be, per I think everybody would be personally offended if something like that happened. So you get to do the righteous thing and stand up. And that was great. I remember hearing that story in one of the videos you saw, and I was, I almost get, wanted to give up and go up and do a standing ovation because that's, everybody's wanted to do that. Oh yeah. No, I was not. Thank you. First and foremost, uh, I, I had to, because on a sense, it, it, it really hit home. This was actually the, the next day. Like I came out on the 12th, the 13th, this was, this happened. So for me, I looked at it as a slap in the face. Like it's like, how, how could you like, I, I did that because I had to get my point across. Like I had to say, and I think people this day, they look at, and I'm actually glad I came out, you know, being, you know, one of the top players in my class and, you know, a starter and all of that. Cause I wanted people to see that, you know, you can be a big time player and still be your true self. Like, you know, because no offense to the other players who came out besides, you know, Michael Sam and Jason, but a lot of players came out whether they were done playing or they played at a Division two, Division three, wherever, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I wanted people to notice that, yeah, like you can, you know, still be that guy on your team and be, you know, openly gay, which I was. And, you know, I don't know why people assume that if a person is gay, they are looking at you. Like, I don't, I, people are so uneducated. It, like that, it's only two things that bothers me. That, and when people try to throw God into the whole situation, as far as, you know, oh my gosh, we're gonna pay for us. And really, I'm Christian. Like, and for you, what? And I think that's just all on how people are raised and the churches they go to and things, cause that's not true whatsoever. Um, but I guess, you know, people nowadays, that's why you just got to respect someone's opinion. But when they try to say that, the God thing, and oh my gosh, like you're going to hell and you're going to pay when you get to the gates. And what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it, it, it baffles me sometimes. So that's why it's like, yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I had to tell them that. And But Seton Hall, kudos to them. And, and I love those kids to death over there. Um, 
They crazy. were freshmen and sophomores. The kids at, at UMass were juniors and seniors, upperclassmen. So I'm going into Seton Hall, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm dealing with young freshmen and sophomores. They're going to be immature about the whole shit. There was not one gay slang thrown around, nothing. We showered together, no issue. We went to the movies together. Like, they wanted me to hang out more than I was hanging out, hanging out with them. And I believe that's why we won the way we did, because it was literally, it was never an issue at all. It was almost as if I wasn't even gay. That's how they treated me at Seton Hall. It, that was probably my best, best college experience. And I told the coach before I graduated, I said, oh my gosh, if I could have one more year, I would come back because it was, it was I, I had the time of my life there, on and off the court. That, that would be Kevin Willard, by the way, who well, is yeah. a very, very good coach. And you watch that's my they have a health program. Yeah, that's my guy. Definitely by far one of the best coaches I've played for. Probably um, the most underrated in college basketball. I think when you talk about the Big East, you talk about Villanova, obviously. And yeah, right. But, but up there recently, I mean, I, I consider myself a big college basketball fan. And every time, I mean, Maryland and Seton Hall, that is what it is. But when I think about Seton Hall, I mean, this year, they would have been a, a dark horse team to win it all. If oh, definitely. A lot of people have been winning it all. I thought they could have. Yeah, they were they're a hell of a team. So I don't want to get too far ahead. I want to talk about the, the, some of the experiences and what pushed you to come out. So when you when you talk about where you went from from Western Kentucky, then to UMass, and then the story of you coming out is a is an amazing one. And who you talk to, who you talk with, there, I want to get to all of that. So talk about your journey from from Western Kentucky to UMass and how that kind of helped push along the idea that I want to come out. I want to do this because. There were nobody at that level of college basketball, or really even in the NBA. There's still only, I think, two out formerly, uh, you know, formerly NBA players are out. So you were doing something that really nobody else had done in the sport that just really hasn't seen anything like that. So I want to get, talk about this journey of just going through your first college experience, then to UMass, and then deciding, okay, I'm going to come out now, and I'm going to do something because I feel like, I can do this. Now I feel like I have the ability inside to push forward and push through and do something no one else has done. Well, Western, um, Western Kentucky was a lot of fun too. Uh, if people go back and look at my numbers for a lot of the games that I've had there, if I would have went back my sophomore year, I would hundred percent got player of the year in that conference. You know, there were games where I was averaging 27 and 15. Like, my numbers were ridiculous at Western. Um, and, um, you know, of course, we went to the NCAA tournament, played Kentucky, and lost. But, you know, that was fun because I got to play against Mike, you know, my old teammate. Um, so when I was gearing up to transfer from Western, at the time, you know, um, oh, no, before, oh, my gosh, before I just let this slip my mind, I actually, you know, I, I remember on fall break, those of you who don't know fall break, it's like, you know, you got the whole month, half of December and all of January off from school. So when I, we were on fall break, uh, that's the first time I, you know, met with a guy. A lot of people don't know that. I've said that in some interviews, but a lot of people don't know that. I remember because they put us up in a hotel 
And I remember borrowing one of my teammates' car and driving to like this motel. Oh my gosh, I don't even know what I was thinking back then, but I drove to this motel and we met on this app. I forget the name of the app. And then the guy was from Tennessee, so he drove all the way from Tennessee to, you know, Kentucky. And um, Bowling Green ain't but so big. It's a very, very, very small town. Um, so the whole time I'm driving to the motel, I'm shaking. Um, and, and long story short, I was like, yeah, there's no way that I can be gay. But I, I said, maybe, though, because the sex part I really didn't enjoy, but the kissing part I love. Like, fell in love with the kissing part, but the sex part, eh. So I was like, eh, yeah, there's something there. So that was before I, about the, I almost had that skip my mind. That that was something oh, that happened while I was... I didn't, because that's, the, that's what you... Hey, everybody's story is different. Yeah, no, and everybody's first time is different. So after that, like, of course, like, I, I left it at that because that, that, that happened before the um, conference tournament and all of that stuff. So I wasn't even thinking about that. You know, this is postseason, so I'm like, by all means, the only way we're going to the tournament is that if we win our conference tournament. You were a seven seed that year, and you finished with a lo- it was a losing record that season. Sixteen yeah. and sixteen. Oh my gosh, that is horrible. The more that I think about it, but we went to that conference tournament, and I remember telling my teammates this. I said, "You know what? I'm leaving after this year." I told them that. Like I flat out, I said, "Guys, I just want y'all to know I'm leaving." Because the head coach who was originally there ended up getting fired, and he was one of the main reasons why I went there. He got fired after the Louisville game. Um, and I think we were like 12 and 12 at the time. I'm not even sure. Um, and I told him, I said, listen, before we go into this game, I just want y'all to know I'm leaving after this year, but I'm going to do all that I can to make sure we get to the NCAA tournament because we had two seniors on the team. Um, and I told him that. I said, so I don't want y'all to think I'm quitting on y'all. No, I'm still going to be playing and balling. But I just want y'all to know that. So, because nobody had us getting out of the first round of the conference tournament. Um, but, you know, of course, we went all the way and we did and we won. Um, so, I ended up being one of the top transfers in the country at the time, um, which that was crazy. I didn't even know that until when they t- when I looked. They said, oh, yeah, you know, you're the number one transfer. In the- Could have went anywhere at the time just because of how I played. Any person who's a top number one, number two transfer in the country, you can go anywhere you want. But something... Look at it now in college basketball. There's transfers going... I mean, they're huge parts of every team. Yeah, yeah. So it... But something was off, though, because I'm like, I should be hearing from a lot more schools than I am. Come to find out, the head... The coach that there was only telling teams that was closer on the East Coast to New Jersey could only recruit me. So I remember South Carolina at the time was calling, and I I really wanted to go to Dayton. Um, But I remember, yeah, South Carolina, and and teams were calling, and they wanted to get my, you know, paperwork. But, yeah, the coach said, yeah, well, you said that's the reason why you want to leave because you want to be close. No, that is not the reason, but that's a whole other story too. And this is why I'm saying you always got to watch out because you just never know. With these coaches sometimes to be honest with you uh-huh. uh, 
But I understand he was kind of pissed because I was leaving, and let's not let's be honest. I was the man. When I, they have not recovered ever since then. They have. Don't get me wrong. They got they got top recruits there and everything. But I'm saying like three, four years later, after I left from there, they didn't recover. But now they're doing just fine. Um, But note to anybody who's going through, you know sports in general just be careful because yeah coaches these days trust me careful watch your mouth (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm giving advice to i'm giving advice to mark turgeon he's not listening to the show but just just be careful (laughs) be careful here now we we we, you know what i know last the way that last season ended sucked but we gotta gotta be careful here mark and i'm not saying it's because you're a maryland fan but i actually wanted to go to maryland like my eighth grade year, I remember when they had a they had a uh, a tournament there actually down in that area, mm-hmm. uh, um, and I went and I remember visiting the campus and everything, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. I wanted to go to Maryland. Way, if you had been, if you had gone to Maryland and you had come out at Maryland, you would have been the first guest on this show, and you would have been <laughs> in the show's Hall of Fame before it even was created. I can assure you of that. <laughs> I could only imagine if that would have oh, happened. It would have, been, it would have been. It would have been awesome. Now, I, as I say, you're awesome no matter what school you went to. You could have gone to Duke, and I wouldn't have cared. Although it would have been a much bigger story. I mean, let's be honest, if it was Duke. But oh, okay. yeah. I, I don't care what school people go to when it comes like this. But if I mean, as I say, with like Robbie Rogers, who came out, he's a Maryland alum, and there's nothing for me in college that would have you know transformed the way I thought about myself than watching Maryland people come out because I. I had not the best high school experience, but I loved I love Maryland, and I wish it would have happened. Oh well. So let's so <laughs> let's jump ahead a little bit because you have all these stories in so many different places. So let's talk about why you decided to come out when you did, and the push to come out when you did. And you talked with some pretty incredible people. Uh, you worked with some pretty incredible people to help you get to this point because what you had done in 2014 at that point nobody really had done before. So it was uncharted waters. Talk a little bit about that process, the people you worked with. And the, the days itself, when you came out, what do you remember about that day? Who do you remember hearing from? We'll start first with the process of getting to the point where I say, I need to go publicly. Was there any trigger that that happened uh, for you that made you say, I want to do this, I want to make this happen? Or is it just something that happened rather naturally after just a building of time? Well, first and foremost, I, I want people to know that everything wasn't pieces and cream. Um, there were a lot of moments that are very dark for me, um, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, myself and who I am. So just just know that, you know, you can always end up end up on top. Don't get me wrong. But before all of that, like, I definitely went through some dark moments. And I remember a very well conversation I had with my mom. This was actually fall break of 20. 13 actually so December 2013 and I was on the phone with my mom and she was always asking me how are you doing everything is okay and I said yeah everything is fine when literally this was when I was really going through it and that summer summer of 2013 that's when um that's when my teammates um, found actually summer of 20, 2012 actually my teammates found out um, I remember being this was summertime I remember being down in Asbury Park in New Jersey which shout out to Asbury Park and Club Paradise because 
You know, they, they held it down. They knew exactly who I was. They didn't care. They didn't never once ever try to out me or anything. We'll always have love for that place and Asbury Park as a whole. Um, but I remember being down there and I'm dancing on the dance floor and I get a call from one of my teammates. And it's probably like 1130 at night. My teammates never call me, let alone when I'm going home on the weekends. They never call me. But I think they were always wondering why I was going home on the weekends. Because um, I would literally, like, just to go home for two and a half days, I would take a Greyhound, two Greyhound buses just to get back home. And, you know, this was just because I wanted to go to Club Paradise on Saturdays. And I remember they called me and said, where are you right now? And I said, I'm out at the club. And they said, what club? I said, Club Paradise. Oh, and all I could hear was like laughing in the background and then the phone went dead and I just said, oh my gosh. So I, I started to freak out. So I went went off the dance floor and I went up to the nearest girls, two girls, and I took a picture with them just to like, so I could send it to my teammates so my teammates think that I'm actually at a straight club and this and that, um, which, you know, that, that didn't work, of course. I never felt... That was probably the point in my life where I, I, I didn't want, like, I wanted to run away. Um, I just, I, I was so depressed and I didn't want to go back to school because I knew that they, they knew. And I can tell because when I got back to school that Monday and the first person who saw me, yeah, like kind of a smirk on his face, I was like, oh my gosh. And I just remember them teasing me and, like that's I'm I'm glad that mentally I'm strong now. But now I know like, you know, the reason why some kids, you know, young kids end up coming in. So it's a lot. It's oh. a lot to deal with as far as like teasing somebody and a person can't say anything back because you don't want to out yourself. You don't want to I, I wanna ask you because I remember you saying this story and it's one of it's such a powerful story. It speaks for itself. Why do you think they did that? Why do you think your teammates wanted to do that? Because obviously they, they, they clearly wanted to. So wh why do you think they did that? I, I always try to ask that question because I don't know if I ever will. That's a really good question. Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't know. Um, I didn't really bump heads well with some of them. Um, that group of people, it was probably like four of them. I didn't bump heads with some of them really well, even on the court and off the court. Um, so they were always asking, why are you going home? And I was, I'm going home to see my family. And then I, I believe what they did, they Google gay clubs in New Jersey, being nosy. And of course, if you Google gay clubs in New Jersey, Club Paradise is going to pop up as one of them, 100%. Um, and as soon as I said Club Paradise, they started laughing. So I'm like, oh my, they knew. Um, they absolutely knew. And they had to go through the effort to look that up and know they, they had they must have that's the that's the only way because if for me to say that and for them to laugh soon after i say that and then hang up the phone i just knew like yeah first of all i was like why did i even tell them that that's the first thing i wasn't I, clearly i wasn't in the right state of mind and i don't drink or anything um but it was kind of i was caught off guard they, and that wasn't the first time um I was dating someone um, before that, 
And I ended up liking one of his pictures on Instagram. Now, Instagram changed because you can't, you used to be able to see the people who you're following, what pictures they like. Oh, yeah. Well, now, LeBron got caught liking a few things he probably shouldn't have liked, and then Instagram changed it. So, I mean, thanks, man, LeBron. You can't actually. do that. You can't do that at all. So. Oh, no, no, no. And I know why. And I know why now. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a good thing, and I, I can imagine that there's a bunch of people. And good, it's good for people who are in the closet who can like all the gay stuff on Instagram that they want and no one ever find out. And... Because you you might not have nosy people, but you're going to end up coming across somebody like you're talking about here who yeah. are going to go to the pains to find this out when there's really no need to. And, and it was just one picture. It was one picture of me and my ex, and he posted it on his page, and I liked it. So I remember one of my teammates called me at the time, and it was like, Derek, like, you good? I'm like, yeah, what you talking about? He's like, hold on, I'm, I'm going to call you back. I'm going to send you something. And he sent me a screenshot of the picture of me and him. When I say my heart came out, I ain't even going to say dropped out. It came out of my chest. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, And, and, and that's why I asked the question, because I don't know why they do that. Because you're teammates. You know, you're going to battles against one another, right? You're trying to go out and win, a, win not just games. And you're, winning, you're trying to win a conference. You're trying to get to the NCAA tournament. How can you expect to win when, you know, there's this open tension between people? Mm. I will never understand it. I don't. And I like it. If they're trying to make a joke, well, it wasn't that's funny. That's not the way to joke. Yeah, that's definitely not the way to joke. And because I don't think people truly understand, like, you are mess messing with someone's life. Like, you're like, you, like, don't, that's nothing to play around with. Because at the end of the day, and I, I totally forgave him for that. Like, I could have easily kept a grudge. But I, you know, I didn't tell them that, but, you know, I always tell people in interviews, like, I forgive them for doing that because they don't know any better, you know? And I, I'd rather forgive them than to, like, hold a grudge or hate over them because I know they don't know any better. They don't. Yeah, um, I think that that's also the part of why coming out in sports is so difficult because you see things that are clearly, you know, that are homophobic, whether it's overt language or things as you have described here. And... When you're going through that, and it's another theme that I, I notice here throughout all the shows that I've done, you don't rather know whether somebody's actually a homophobe and they mean it maliciously or they just don't know any better because that's the culture they're in and they've been told for whatever reason no, that this, no. you know, this is just something you make fun of. And, and that person could be in the closet. That's, that's another thing. Um, you know, like a lot of people who, who are the jokesters and say this and that, turn around and they could be the ones struggling with whatever they're struggling with. So that's why I like for me, it would never surprise me if any one of them end up, you know, being gay. It wouldn't surprise me. And I, and I don't, I don't want, and that's the hard thing because it's the ability to judge like, is this person actually a homophobe or is this just a culture thing that there's nothing they can do about it until, you know, you come out and you say, no, you can't do this anymore. You got to stop. You know, it's it's that kind of it's that difference and it's that dissonance in your head that makes it even harder. And you hear it in certain sports more than others, particularly the one that if you follow this podcast, you know, it's a certain sport that plays with a stick and a puck. Uh, I don't know. But it doesn't seem but, but for you. I mean, I want to ask this question before we get to your coming out at UMass. What is your relationship with the sport of basketball right now? What do you think about when you think about basketball? Do you, do you think happy thoughts or is it more complicated than that? Oh, happy thoughts, 100%. Because 
Because when I talk to somebody, <laughs> relationship with their sport is is very very complicated, you know, because of what the sport does to people. But I mean, for you at least, there's a very good relationship, I think, with basketball. Which yeah. I mean, there's, there's two different. The other side well with that. Yeah, there are two different relationships. Of course, there's a side of, you know, the the game and the sport itself. I love, you know, um, and will always love. Um, but then there's a side where, you know, you want somebody, you know, who whether it's, you know, on a bench or playing to come out. Because, you know, I think that's the only way that, you know, anything's going to happen with, you know, players just coming out and being open in the sport is that it has to start with somebody. It has to. Um, you know, because I think a lot of people are so afraid of taking that risk. I knew the risk that I was taking, but I didn't look at it as a risk because I said, there's no happy, there's no risk when it comes to my happiness. Like, that's not a risk at all. Like, if I had to choose basketball or being happy, I'm choosing happiness over basketball. That's just, like, this is my life. Like, I'm, I can't play basketball when I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. Like, you know, so, but I can be happy by all means. And I don't want to be that guy, you know, no offense to Jason. Jason is my guy, but, you know, coming out in my prime when I'm practically done playing. No, nah, I didn't want to do that. You know, and I knew, I didn't realize how it would affect people until when I came out. I remember kids doing like school projects on me and all of that stuff, but, um, yeah, to this very day, I love basketball. Always will love basketball. Uh, and that's a good thing, because I hear too often doing shows like this that my relationship with the sport is complicated, and that is an understatement. So let's talk to the actual coming out at UMass and go through that process. You worked with some incredible... You talk about Jason Collins, and I remember his story being released. I was in a class, and I was reading that story on Sports Illustrated. I'm in a huge lecture hall, and I'm reading that story going, man, that's a this is a big... Because it felt like a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was... Trust me. I, when I seen that story, I remember... Even his story, and I remember when he got... When he checked into the game, and literally everybody in the arena stood up and started clapping. And I remember saying to myself, that's, how, that's what I want to happen for me. I, and I, was like, wow. I don't remember what happened the day that you came out. I wish I did, now for the sake of argument. It doesn't happen with very many of these coming out stories, because only the few. But I remember, I obviously saw it. I mean, you, you couldn't miss it, considering what I, I was following the issue more keenly then. I was a sophomore in college at that time. And uh, there was not much Maryland basketball to be happy about at that time. And I don't remember who I picked to win the national title that year, but almost assuredly it was wrong. So <laughs> relationship with college basketball was a little different then. Uh, but I, I remember going, just you see the stories, and I went back and read some of them, and I read the original article on Outsports when you came out, and just, you know, you, you get, and the words could tell you so much. As a writer, I, I see that, and and just the, the sigh of, it seemed like a sigh of relief, but also just the joy that something like this was happening. I think that's the one thing that I know when you, you probably are going to mention this, just the people you worked with, the people you talked with, and that helped you get there, they were probably... As much as the people on the outside were just excited that there was somebody there who was going to tell their story, and they knew that once you did it, you were going to change a lot of perceptions. You were going to ch you change the world in many ways, and that's what you did. So talk a little bit about that, the process itself, and then those days. What do you remember? Who do you remember hearing from? I know I asked this question before, but we got sidetracked because this interview is going so well already. I always get sidetracked in things like this. That's when I know things are going well. So talk about a little bit of all of that because... 
I mean, you remember the day? I remember the day when I came out. Everybody remembers these days and the stories and all these moments. So, so go into a little of that. Of course. So, um, you know, I got in touch with an organization called You Can Play. Um, I'm not sure if they still have it or not, but, you know, yeah, some of the people who was part of that organization were, of course, you know, Jason Collins, Wade Davis, who played in the NFL um, and came out, uh, Billy Bean, who played in the MLB, um, Kirk Walker, who's a softball coach at uh, UCLA. Sorry, Kirk, for not mentioning you already. He helped set this up, and I also had him on the show. I apologize to Kirk for doing I did that last week with the show. I, it, uh, I love Kirk. Long. Kirk's my guy. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk's my guy. I love oh, Kirk. He's, he's uh, great. Love, his interview was great. No, very few people have done for this community what he's done. I, he, I love that guy, too. He's done it. Still, to this day, he's doing a lot, you know. Um, yeah, so shout out to Kirk. And, um, and I think that's when Michael Sam got on to, you know, move with You Can Play as well. And I remember talking to Jason one night, and, and I just asked him, like, what do you think about all of this? And you know, he said, of course, it's going to be huge, you know, but he said, you also have to understand, like, this might affect, you know, your chances of playing in the NBA. I'm going to just be honest with you. And, you know, I told him, I said, yeah, I kind of figured that. But I said, you know what, Jay? Um, you know, I want to be happy. Like, I, like I, I'm tired of, like, you know, living this lie and, you know, being somebody who I'm not. Like, I just, I don't want to live like this. This is not a fun way of living life at all. And, you know, he said, you know, I have your full support, you know, whatever it is you do, you know, I'm always going to be there for you. And, you know, I remember a couple of days ago before uh, the story is going to run, I remember going, a good friend of mine has actually drove me all the way from UMass to New Jersey. Um, and I remember my parents had no idea I was doing any of this stuff behind the scenes. Um, you know, cause we, the ESPN interview was pre-recorded. We recorded that already. And I uh, shout out to, to, uh, Kate Fagan. I love her. She's amazing. That's what I did it with. And yeah, no, she's great. Yeah. Absolutely, I love her. absolutely yeah. great. And, um, I remember watching, this was during the NCAA tournament. And I remember, uh, being on the couch with my mom watching the game. I was like, mom, I got to tell you something. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, if you just start guessing, and if you guess right, maybe I'll tell you. And uh, she was like, uh, did something happen at school? I said, no. And she said, um, did you get into a fight? I said, no. She said, did you get a girl pregnant? I said, nah, absolutely not. And, yeah, yeah, you're not, you're not close with that one. <laughs> far from that, far from it. And uh, she said, are you gay? And I hopped on it real quick and I said, yeah, I am. And, you know, she just had like this, oh my gosh, look on her face. And she was like, I'm, I'm and she was, I could tell she was getting ready to cry. She was like, I'm not sad or anything that, you know, that you are gay. She was like, I'm happy for you because I always knew. Like, I, I always knew like, you just, like just seeing you leave here all the time and go to Asbury Park and you would never talk about this. Like she knew. And like they say, mothers always know. Um, and she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just so happy for you. And as she's talking to me, I'm just sitting there, I'm crying. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like it, like anybody who, anybody knows that relief off your shoulders, it, it's, 
it's, it's so much relief. Like it's, it literally feels like there are weights on your shoulders and whoever you tell that first person, the the weights come off your shoulder. And it's just, you just feel so much. Cause this, you, this is the first time I told anybody in my family. Um, and I remember I called my father downstairs and he said, and he's like, yeah, what's going on? And, um, I said, I gotta tell you something. He's like, what? I said, I'm gay. And I remember he just like went back upstairs, um, you know, and I kind of expected that from him because on top, on first and foremost, me and my father really didn't get along like that beforehand. And, you know, for him, I knew it was going to take some time for him, um, you know, so I just let him like, you know, because and that's, and that's no note to anybody. If you're going to come out to somebody, you can't expect them to right away. Just, oh, my gosh, like get up and hug you like. Um, cause some, for some people it's going to take time for them. Now, if someone truly loves you, they're going to love you no matter what, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're gay, but whatever, they're going to love you for who you are as a person. Um, but other than that, like sometimes you got to give people time. And I remember the next day heading back to UMass, my father called me. Um, and he was like, yeah, I just want to call you just to let you know, you know, that, you know, sorry for acting the way I did. Uh, but, you know, I support you, this and that. And, you know, you have nothing to worry about. Um, my twin brother was incarcerated at the time. So that conversation, you could only imagine how it went. Um, he couldn't believe it. He thought I needed to see somebody. He uh, he, he just, he, well, he really wasn't having it. He just was like, yeah, no, nah, there's no way. Um, but I'm going I'm to touch back on that. Um, to get, give y'all an update of now of how they're acting now. Um, so I come out. I was in class at the time when I got the text, and it was like, oh, Kate texted me said, it's going live now. I kid you not, probably like 10 seconds later, because I had to leave the classroom, I said, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Um, 10 seconds later, is live and on TV, messages are flowing through my phone right now. People, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? Like, cause no, so when I'm walking around campus, people are just looking at me. Like, <laughs> like people are like, oh, but I still remember going into the cafeteria and uh, the guy who runs the, the cafeteria, he's openly gay. Um, so when he saw that I came out, like he like, you know, he gave me a hug and all of that stuff. And, you know, me and him became like best friends after that. Um, and I remember Anderson Cooper reached out to me. Um, and I actually went to go have dinner with him a couple of times. Very, very, very nice guy. You see, that's why I always ask the question of who did you hear from that you least expected to hear from when that went public? Because I'm never quite sure that you're going to get the sometimes you don't get the most amazing answers but then you get like oh anderson cooper called it's just like yeah, you, you never know and this is like he actually was like man like if you would have told me i would have did your story and um i was like nah nah i'm, I'm flattered but i wanted it to be on espn because i play sports um i mean that's 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 the, that's the crazy stuff like you never know who these stories are going to affect you know never, like, never. it's 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 that butterfly effect of the ripples in the pond like how far do they go you right. know, and right. that's and and I'm sure you know this at this point. You don't know how many kids you've affected or people you've affected by telling your story. And then 
The other thing I noticed is when you were saying, oh, my phone started blowing up. When I posted my story, I turned my phone off. I'm like, I'm turning my brain off for like six hours. I'll look at this later. Yeah. And my phone blew up too, but nothing to the way yours did. And I'm like, even when I turned it back on, I'm like, wow, okay, that's that's interesting. So I never say that. I, one thing I always tell people is that, you know, yes, your story was big. The only reason why mine was big, I just happened to be playing basketball because people tell me this all the time. And I say, listen, everyone's story is huge. Even if it's not on the news, you telling whoever you're telling, family, friends, it's a big deal. Like, it's not, we all know that moment and that day when we came out and how scary it was, your story was just as big as mine. Like, so I just happened to be playing basketball at the time. That's the only reason why my story was the way it was. Um, I never want to, I never want to put my, like, yes, like, it's, it's a big deal. Like, I'm playing sports, but I never was the type to put anyone under me or put anyone above me. Like, you know, I think, you know, we're all the same, especially when it comes to, you know, coming out because everyone's story is important. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, I've talked to, you know, I'm, you know, I had some advantages of hearing from certain people and things like that because of, but in the meaning of just being gay and coming out, I mean, yeah, everybody's story the same, but. Um, well, I, I always joke that sports are the final frontier you know, for, for this community. By that, by the point you would come out, there were out people and everything, really. But sports yeah. was the place where the People don't really see it in sports. And that's the thing. If people were out in sports, how people are just coming out now who don't play sports, it wouldn't even be a deal, a big deal in sports whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If people just coming out in sports, you know when things have changed if it's not a story. Yeah. You but know, unfortunately, right? in sports right now, if somebody like you came out and they played for any D1 school, it would be a big deal. It would still be a yeah. big deal. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and I would be asking them to be on my show within 10 seconds, which is what which is what has happened at times. It you has know? to be that way. It has to be that way until, like, it's not a story anymore. It has to be that way. You're, you're absolutely right. And I... To go into the the next like the next few like the rest of that day, your your phone is blowing up. You're hearing from everybody, but, yeah. but what are you what are you thinking at that point? Like, is it is it overwhelming? Like, oh my god, everybody wants to talk to me, or is it more like the I've done it. Now this is the easy part. You know, I just have to talk about myself. You know, now I don't have to worry about hiding this. This is a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, the the easy part didn't really click in until because I remember even like the news people like just being surrounded by cameras. I was always surrounded by cameras after a game or something like that. But to be like surrounded about around 15, 20 different cameras at a time, it was just like, wow, like this is, <laughs> this is incredible. You probably crazy. got the same thing that I, that I think about, you know, you probably got asked the same question over and over again. Cause I'm imagining these are the news people, you know, in, in, yeah, you yeah. know, and they're asking the same question over, and you can't blame them. They got to cover seventy different oh, stories. Yeah. I was happy. I wanted to. I wanted to. I, I was taking it all in. I was just like, yeah. And then I, to touch on the Anderson Cooper thing, because um, the two main people I remember from that time it was Tyra Banks and Anderson Cooper. And I that's, remember that's pretty impressive. I have to say, <laughs> Tyra Banks and Anderson Cooper. I mean, yeah. the first, I I heard from some great people when I came out, but I didn't hear from either of those two. 
No, it was. <laughs> I'm very fortunate to hear from them by all means, and you know I've actually uh, became very good friends with Anderson even to this day. Such a nice guy, and you know, let alone to be able to have dinner with him, the amount of times I did, you know, was I wasn't even expecting for any of that to happen. Because um, he wants to see stories like this just as much as everybody else does. I think that's the other thing. When you're in the position, even if you're in an Anderson Cooper position, he wants to see stories like this too. Yeah, yeah. the same stuff everybody else does. You know, and that too, and that also it humanizes people who you don't otherwise think. You know, we think of just we think of these people as like they're they're not human in the same way that the rest of us are. You know, they're on this level, and we're just scrubs. You know, but then you see Anderson Cooper getting you know reacting to a story like this, you go, you know, this dude really wants this to be just as much as anybody else. Yeah, that's why I was flattered. And I think for me, um, when he reached out and, you know, he wanted me to, of course, you know, do it on CNN, I I thought of it, I was like, wow, because I had the option, by all means, they said, where do you want to do it on? Do you want to do it on, you know, CNN or do you want to just do it on ESPN? And you know, Wade Davis was the one who was recommending ESPN just because I played I played basketball, you know, and wanted to keep it sports related. But um, by all means, if I'm, you know, I think that would have been an incredible experience as well, doing it on there as well. Um, because CNN is just as big as ESPN as well. But, you know, my story got across because I remember hearing from kids in China and all different countries doing like school projects on me and you know, making a shoe for me, and all, it, it was it was it was getting insane. But I wish that players could get paid back then, and I and because oh, you would have yeah. If you were doing this in college now, the endorsement deals, the amount of endorsements, Nike, be true line, all it. Oh my gosh! Like yeah, yeah. You're you're 100. I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, and you are 100 percent correct. Yeah, I could only imagine. Oh my! And yeah, how I would have been. Especially if you went to a Nike basketball school and they got the beat, it would have been. You're right. Yeah, hundred percent. Very, very good point. (laughs) Would have been jealous. Um, That's that's one way to level the playing field. You could be like, wait, oh, this dude's getting all this because he's gay. I mean, no, it's more than that. But you're right. Um, Quickly, because there's a lot of other things I want to get to, and I don't want this podcast to go on forever, although it could, because this has been awesome. Uh, right. you talk about your Seton Hall experience, and you mentioned it before, how great it was. Um, and just, and you know, because Seton Hall is a Catholic school, it has a different sort of reputation, and to do what you did in your final year, and again, you led your team in the NCAA tournament, you won the Big East that year, you know, that, it's, that's, it's, you know, your UMass experience might not have been what you wanted, but in many ways, it's like that Seton Hall experience, I think, you know, it makes it feel like everything you did was worth it, right? 100%. 100%. Um, like I told you, that was probably outside of Western. That was my best college experience. Um, you know, of course, I didn't know what was going to happen because, you know, I remember hearing things about what happened with, I guess, someone who was there. I don't know if it was a teacher or a priest or somebody who was gay that was there and something happened and it didn't go well for him. Um so I was like almost second guessing, like, how is it going to be? But everybody loved me, like the, the students and, you know, the other coaches or the different teams, like everybody loved me. And, um, you know, they all embraced me 
especially because of, you know, what I was doing for the program and helping them win and stuff. Um, it was an even bigger deal too. But, um, yeah, that just goes to show, I mean, you know, I think it all depends on, like, UMass and Seton Hall are completely two different programs, especially the players that were there. Um, I think it just really depends on how that person was raised or, you know, that person's beliefs or whatever, because it was not an issue, not one bit at Seton Hall at a Catholic school. It wasn't even, never once was brought up or was an issue at all, so... Um, by all means, if I could do it all over again, I would. Mm, that was, you look at that team, you look at the records, you know, yeah, win the Big East, beat Villanova, that's pretty dang good. Uh, and to do what you did. Here's another question, and I don't know if you have the best answer to this, because I, I, I saw on your YouTube channel you posted a highlight tape, but here's a question that I have, and I wasn't paying attention to this as closely as I certainly would be now. Because you're on, I mean, all these games are on TV. Certain of them are on, on bigger channels than other I want to know, and I don't know if you noticed this, did you notice any of the announcers talking about, you know, you being gay in the game, like, and where they brought it up and how they brought it up? Or is this something that I'm only going to notice because I'm a play-by-play guy and I think about it all the time? Actually, um, there was never once, as far as that I can remember, where any of the announcers, and there were some big-time announcers, too, at Seton Hall, Never once said, even when I was at UMass, never once brought up the whole, like, me being gay. Like, it just never wasn't. It was more like what he's doing for the team, how he's helped the team win, and how he's a big part of them winning. And this, it was never like, oh, my gosh, yeah, the first openly gay. No, it, it wasn't even mentioned. As far as I can remember, from, you know, going back and watching the games, uh, no one has never brought it up. Not that they wasn't thinking it, but I never heard it. That's interesting, because I always think about, like, as an announcer, like, I want to bring, obviously, I would want to bring it up more than the average announcer. And Seton Hall's voice is Gary Cohn, who is the beloved voice of the New York Mets, so obviously I think very highly of him, too. Uh, but I think the point for me is, is I always know, like, it's not about bringing it up. It's about how you bring it up, when you bring it up, if you bring it up at all. Because I think it's a story, and, you know, it's a story worth telling if you have a chance. But I'm not, I'm not going to go back and rewatch all of those games. But I think I wanted to ask because I didn't know the answer to that question. And uh, it's, all, it's something I think about if I ever call a game with a, with a gay player and, like, what am I going to do? Do I bring it up? Do I not bring it up? When do I bring it up? These are questions I have in my head. And yeah, I think if, if, it's, if it's fresh, like, but I think since that wasn't fresh because it happened in 2014 and it was it was all it was over and done with so like people weren't really as far as i know i think even when playing like people weren't looking at me as like the bat the gay basketball player i see in the hall like it was more like just a basketball player like i didn't see not one gay flag in the stands not to say that it couldn't have been but i just think people i don't even think some people a lot of people because there were a lot of older, older, older people out there. I don't think everyone knew that I was gay, openly gay at Seton Hall. Um, that's possible. I, that, and that's just me. I don't I don't think everybody knew. But, yeah, it just wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't like at, like at UMass, yeah, people were coming to their games with gay flags and everything. But at Seton Hall, that wasn't the case. But that doesn't mean that they didn't support me, because they did 100%. But... 
Yeah, it was just two different experiences. It's it's a thing I think about because as an announcer, I need to know when I think it's the most. When, yeah, when I think it's if it's if it's fresh, then yeah. But I think if it's something that two, three, four years went down the line, then uh, it's nothing to really talk. Yeah, now, I think you do college basketball during June, so it wouldn't have been nearly as you know February is different than doing it during Pride Month. So I guess that that's also something about it too. But. That is, I've done a Pride game, and I don't even remember mentioning that it was a Pride game, even maybe once or twice, and that was it. And so, I don't know. It's, it's a question I have, and maybe that's too inside baseball or inside the beltway, but it's something I had to ask for, for the sake of it. Now, you talk about uh, the NBA and trying to make it to the NBA, and I remember seeing quotes saying, uh, you, you, I don't know if it was like you blackballed, but you said, I, I didn't get in because I was gay. And you said Jason Collins said there was a chance that that could happen. You still believe that, or so? Do you think that being gay prevented, not prevented you from getting in the NBA, but was a hindrance? Hmm. I think that's the number one question a lot of people always keep asking me. Uh, I didn't say that every question I was going to ask was going to be original and authentic. I can only be, you know, I can only be who I can be. No, but it's well, a question that I think most people want to know because when I think about the NBA, I think about everybody being outspoken, especially now more than ever before. They're as outspoken as any athletes as you're going to see. And you would think, based on that, oh, perhaps then maybe we get outspoken on LGBTQ issues in the NBA, but we don't. I mean, I was watching the basketball tournament. They had a thing with the Trevor Project, but it wasn't like, oh, this is what you need to do to support LGBTQ rights, or it was about like dealing with COVID-19. So that's, that's the thing that I, I try to put in my head, because I don't know the answer to that. I would think, based on the NBA's character and the people in the league, that it would be more front and center as something that they would push for than it is. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. Uh, right now, now, of course, back then, um, you know, I said what I said. Yes, I was upset. Um, you know, I felt that, you know, I'm not going to say betrayed, but I just felt that, I wasn't given an equal chance as every other athlete. And the only reason why I felt that way because of my resume from college. Like, hands down, my resume from college was probably better than some of the players who got put on summer league teams, um, let alone especially how I finished up at Seton Hall. Like, I thought after Seton Hall, huh? No, I, I said I thought after seeing Hall, I thought like I was I was riding a high off of you know beating Villanova, even though we lost the first round. I was like, there's now there's no excuse like me doing what I was doing because some of those things that they were saying was okay, he can't shoot and this and that. Like for me, I don't go like I never look at percentages. Like I look at at the end of the day because because I think when players start to look at their percentages then they get focused on, oh, my gosh, I don't want to, like, drop below it. No, because you, like, you can't play like that, in my opinion, because when I stop thinking about that and just playing, for instance, if you go through just all Biggie's games, like, you know, the clutch threes that I were hitting in some of those games, because that was their main excuse of what they said, I can't shoot. For someone who can't shoot, let's just say this, wouldn't that means that that person would not take a three at all? If you want to say that person can't shoot, or at least take a three in like the hostile gyms you got to go to in the Big East when games are on the line. 
you know. Like for me at CN Hall, I had the green light, so I was shooting. I wasn't looking at it from a percentage standpoint. I was like, the coach, I still remember the coach, I didn't shoot one time in practice, and the coach stopped practice. He said, I want you to shoot. If you're open, shoot the ball. When he said that, it gave me so much confidence. Um, but I know that. So, because that's one of the things that, you know, some people from the NBA said, well, he didn't get any invites because he can't shoot. He's not an NBA player. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying to myself, how would you know that if you never put me up against these other players who y'all picked over me? Now, I, 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 I will always say this. If I would have went to Summer League and absolutely did horrible, like I was getting destroyed and all of that, then you have all the right to say that. But you can't just guess because there's there are a lot of players who I've seen on summer league and I'm just, and this is just the competitive side of me talking. Most of those guards I would have destroyed that year when I was that year that I left Seton Hall. A hundred percent. That's the mindset that I had. So I know what I would have done. So it was more for me since I didn't get that opportunity. I felt that yeah they blackballed me like they. There's no reason why I didn't get one opportunity. I didn't even get a workout with a team, let alone summer league. So how do you expect for somebody to feel like that, knowing that their dream- dreams were just crushed? Like, so when I reacted the way I did, of course that was out of anger. Um, the more I look at it now, it's like, I mean, of course, do I still feel that way? Of course, I'm always going to take my game over. Like, yeah, I know I'm good enough to play in the NBA. I know I am to this day. But, like, but the more I look at it, it's like, why would I want to play for an organization where they don't accept openly gay players? Like, why would I want to do that? And I'm not saying every team is like that. I'm not going to say Adam Silver is like that because he could be, by all means, a huge ally which he is for the LGBTQ community. But, I mean, until it happens, until that first openly gay player ends up in the NBA, I, there's my respect level is going to be a little down with the, with all the NBA because of what happened with me. Mm. So, do, do you fear that there are some organizations that wouldn't take an openly gay player? I mean, when you when and, and, and I said like this is why I asked the question because you see the NBA is so out front on so many of these issues, but on this one, I don't know if they're shying away from it. I don't know if they don't if they're good natured, but they don't know what to do. You know, like that's. I feel a, that they think it would be a distraction. Um, the only that, player, the only person who said part. something good was Mark Cuban, where he said he would love to have an openly gay player on the team. Um, I remember him saying that, and I know he's looking at it from more of a marketing standpoint. Well, I mean, which there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. We we just mentioned we could get kids get getting endorsements off their likeness now, and you were right about that. So he he's also right, even if it's crass. But you know, I I mean, I, again, you're you're 100 right. I just it's just interesting because when I think about the NBA, and the NBA likes to say we are a forward-thinking, socially progressive league, right? And then you and then you hear what and then you hear what you're talking about. I don't believe that. And that by all means, I know there are a lot of players in the NBA right now who are gay, but of course there's no way that they're coming out right now with like yeah, there it's just not happening. So oh, I mean, this this time is this I mean it's pandemic times. I, I don't know. 
Like, why? It, this, this is a bizarre time anyway, but, I mean, what, what would you... Okay, I'm going to ask another question after this, but firstly, uh, what do you think it would take for an NBA player to come out? Because, obviously, as you said, there has to be some... Statistics tell us there has to be some, and... It has to start with somebody... It has, like, it has to start with somebody, whether that person is in an NBA or playing overseas in Europe. It has to, st it has to start with somebody being the first openly gay professional basketball player to be actively somebody has to have that label for somebody like whether it's over in Europe or is in the NBA but somebody has to have that title and right now nobody has that title right now as far as an openly gay professional active basketball player no one is holding that right now so until somebody holds that title I just don't know uh, I'll be honest, I don't... Like, yeah. That player comes to you and asks, what should I do? How should I go about this? What would you tell that player? As far as coming out? Yeah, about that process. Like saying, uh, I want to do this. I want to take this step. What would you tell them to do? Because, again, if it was an, even if it was a G League player, it would be a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. And it, G League, NBA, when I said the NBA, I meant the G League as well. Mm. And the reason... And if, as long as you have that professional... Within the openly gay, trust me, it's, it's a big, it's gonna be a big deal, a hundred percent. Now I get asked that question a lot. Um, I mean, you're the you're the authority on it at this point. We ask these, <laughs> we sadly ask you these questions because we don't have anybody else to ask. That's you're the thing. Funny. You are too funny. Oh. <laughs> well, I'd like to try to be. I mean, if the, if this podcast is me being boring and dry, then it would then it would suck doing hour and a half interviews if you can't make somebody laugh every now and again. All right, now nah, you're being honest too. Uh, first and foremost, you have to be. You have to love yourself. That's the first and foremost thing. You have to love yourself. You can't go into it. Oh my gosh, like this is not who I am. And no, you have to love yourself and be confident and happy with who you are. You're gay. Okay, I'm happy with being gay. The next step, whether it's a family, friend, somebody who you can trust, whether it's a family or friend, like I said, or somebody who works at the school, you know, the counselor has to be somebody who you know won't say anything because it all starts with just getting that release off your shoulders because once you tell that first person like i did like you know i didn't say that before but i told a couple people before i told my parents so it's all about telling those few people or that one person whoever because it is such a huge because one person is better than not telling anybody and then just slowly go from there you know, um, but it has to start there. You know, you have to, you know, love yourself and be happy with who you are. And then, you know, then you can take that next step. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't even imagine what that process would look like. It would, I guess it would look something what like you went through, but I'm just thinking about, you know, how the team deals with it, how the leagues deal with it. There, there's a whole other kettle of fish that maybe it's not the place to go into here, but it is something that I always think about because, Again, one day it's going to happen. It just has to. And these leagues are eventually going to be forced to reckon with it because if we're talking about pushing this forward, especially a league like the NBA, it's just going to happen. Just the way it's going to happen. I just it's don't know happen. when. And I hope yeah. it happens soon. I, I, if you asked me the four leagues in which, which would it be most likely to see it happen first, it would be a tie between the NFL and the NBA. And these are not high percentages, but I would lean towards the NBA because of that 
socially progressive stance and somebody would feel empowered because of their colleagues because they play with people like LeBron who is outspoken on so much that they would feel comfortable doing it and they would get support even if they're somewhat of an you know an individualist that kind of thing as opposed to the other sports which have a myriad of other issues I agree. Out, what was that I agree. I agree okay we are an hour and a half into the show, and I have to bring up something else that I want to talk about before we get to your YouTube channel and a couple of other miscellaneous stuff. Uh, this last month has been a very interesting month in the United States, as everyone knows, and you've, you've talked about it a little bit. So what does it mean for you now more than ever before? And you had a YouTube video on it that was really interesting, and it was a year before, obviously, George Floyd was murdered, and we've gone through what we've gone through in this country. What does it mean to be black and gay for you? Oh. Well, for one, before all of this stuff happened, it was always a big deal because, you know, it's not a lot of people who are openly gay that's black, masculine, that, that are just coming out, uh, <laughs> like coming out of the woodwork. So for me, and where I grew up at, it's just not a thing. It's not, you know, you don't, you don't see people like me. Like, it's, by all means, looking at me, if I never came out publicly, no one would ever think that I am gay. Um, and, you know, especially for what's going on now, um, of course it's tough, you know what I mean? Let's just get that, you know, clear air, you know, what was going on. It's tough, you know, it's, it's almost like we went back to the 80s, not even the 80s, the 60s, 50s, whatever, you know, slavery, slavery let's just say that. Because, you know, the stuff that happened with the black guy with NASCAR and the lynch, you know, I'm like, what? Like, when I saw that, I was just like, okay, like, we, this is getting a little out of control now. Like, this is almost like we, I remember watching these high school documentaries, you know, while, while I was in high school, of course, watching these documentaries about, you know, slavery and seeing the lynching and the movie, the Mississippi burning, you know. Like, it's almost like going back to that, and this is like, this is 2020, and this is what is going on right now. Um, I mean, of course, you know, there's a reason um, why it's all happened the way it is, because, I mean, people are getting fed up. Um, but, you know, I'm always going to stand with my people, regardless of whether I'm gay, straight, whatever. I'm always going to stand with my people. But I, I was always the type, and I, I was raised, I love all people whether you're white, Mexican, whatever. I just love all... I was always that way. So for me, it's like... I never was the type of person to, like... Um, belittle another race. Um, that's just not... Yeah, that's that's not who I am. So for me, I, I want... What I'm looking for, for all of this, the, the outcome from this all happening is that, you know, we can all come together and, you know, love one another. Because I'm all about peace and, you know, people being happy and living and enjoying life. And this is more than just being gay. This is just in general, you know. Um, so I'm hoping that we can all get to that point. But, you know, of course, some things has to happen for everyone to get to that point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, very, very strange times, you know, what's going on right now. But, you know, I'm proud of, you know, who I am, you know, always have been, you know. So do that's you changed. Do you have any unfortunate prickly encounters with the police? Or are you lucky in that you haven't had that 
No, I haven't. You know, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate that I never, you know, experienced any of that. Or, you know, the only thing I remember is getting pulled over um, in high school. Um, and a cop, you know, said that I was on my phone or whatever like that. And, you know, I don't even remember being on my phone. And this was at nighttime, too. Um, but he didn't, like, go get out the car and all of it. But he was just like, where are you headed, this and that, and just... All type of stuff. I mean, that's probably the only time where I felt like, okay. like. But back in high school, I wasn't really thinking about that. Well, I think all of us are thinking about it more now. And yeah, now, but back in high school, 2010, yeah. 2000, I wasn't I think, thinking about that back then. Oh, of course not. But I think that just even bringing up that story, it's like, I would I ever get pulled over like that driving at night? Probably not. Right. And that's not fair. It's just... <laughs> yeah, it's so unfortunate. It's, it's definitely unfortunate that, you know, we... You know, people that, as I said earlier, it's 2020, and yet, you know, we still have to go through. It's so, it's, I'm a history guy, so it's just to know the history of this country. It's so entrenched, and it takes years to untangle this. And we're at least we're starting to maybe reckon with it better than uh, we need. We needed to do this a long time ago as a as an American culture and as a society. Sure. I I am not in a place to talk about this because obviously I am not black, so I don't feel comfortable doing that. I let other people who are more authorities in the subject do such a thing. I will say what I have seen is the loudest, most vocal protesters and the people who are standing up and doing more than almost anybody else are the people I know in the, in the LGBTQ community. They have been some of the most vocal and active people in yeah. anywhere. And I can name, I don't want to do all name names because that's not fair to them because singling them about uh, above others, but that's what they do. And, and I think it's the idea that if, you, if there's injustice somewhere, there's injustice everywhere, and how can we fight for justice if there is no justice for our friends somewhere else? And that's something that I think that has become more apparent, especially because all of this was happening during a virtual Pride Month, basically, where we couldn't actually go out to, you know, to do the things you'd normally do during a Pride Month because of the pandemic, and unfortunately you can. You also mentioned it with the gay bar. I mean, like, imagining a kid right now going through what, you know, so many of us go through and not having a safe space like a gay bar to go to because you just can't go to them right now. Not, not, not because unfortunately they could spread a viral disease. So I th I thought about that too when I was hearing your story about um, the the club that you went to, and that was uh, that's something else that kept um, kept popping up. So that's another thought. Yeah, not a lot of people get to experience that, but you know, I'm very fortunate that I did. Um, and I have, you know, to be able to have such an outlet like that where I can go and, you know, be myself. But of course, you know, as you said, you know, through these times right now, everything's being closed. Right now, your health and safety is the most important thing right now. Um, you know, the clubs and all of that stuff can wait. Uh, right now, it's about being healthy. And I think that's something that a lot of people just aren't taking very serious right now because, you know, they want to go out to the beaches and and hikes and all of this and be around five, six, seven different people. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I, that's why I'm, I was like, why are they opening up um, the beaches and stuff like that? Because, you know, you're going to have those select few people who just don't listen. Mm -hmm. Let's, I don't want to do COVID-19 relitigation at this point. It's not worth it. Let's, I want to go to some other things you talk about before we wrap this up, because this has been truly amazing and I don't want to keep you forever. Uh, although I could, because this has been just one of my favorite interviews that I've done yet. Uh, I want to talk, you, you, you dabbled with firefighting, you dabbled with real estate, you dabbled with acting, you've done all of these things. I have to bring up, I think it was the Gus Kenworthy quote, or I'm paraphrasing, I'm like, hey, I, 
I acted like I was straight all this time, so acting's not going to be all that hard for me. And that's the first thing I thought of you know, when I think about you acting or any gay person acting. It's a quote that just sits in my head. You've dabbled with everything. It's one of those things in life where if you don't know, you just try everything. So how have you enjoyed your post-basketball life of literally trying everything? Um, let's just say what a ride. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never, by means, I never had any intentions. And I want people to know this. I never gave up on basketball. You know, it just got to a point where, you know, I had to start doing stuff to have an income. Um, so I never gave up. That's that's one of the first things. Because um, I still miss it to this very day. Um, I, yeah, I never had any intentions on stopping. So when my career stopped and I was still in my, you know, early 20s, which I still am, I'm only 28. Um, but at the time I was in my early 20s, about three years ago, I'm like, what? There's no way that I'm done with basketball right now. Like, there's, it's not possible. So I was stuck. Honestly, for a good while before the acting and stuff, not the acting, uh, firefighter stuff and everything started to kick off, I was lost for a while. I was, you know, I remember countless days of, you know, crying myself to sleep and like wondering, like, why am I not playing and this and that. And um, so it was a little rocky. It was up and down. Um, but I can say, you know, all of those things that happened and where I am today was for a reason because. The career that I'm doing now, I can't, like, let's just, this is the happiest I've been. You know, this is probably the most happiest I've been since coming out. And coming out for me was a big, big deal. Um, so what I'm doing now is, yeah, by far the happiest I've been in my entire life. And, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate and, and grateful um, to, you know, be able to go through the things that I went through. Because, you know, it only made me a stronger person at the end of the day and you know I think you know it was all leading up into this you know I'm a, I'm a huge guy and I'm a huge believer in you know faith and you know the law of attraction and you know so I think everything that I've been through was leading up into this very moment and you know I'm just looking forward to that you know that day when I can finally you know announce to everybody you know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I hope that we could get that day soon. I also want to talk about your YouTube channel because I did some preparation by watching a lot of these videos. There's some Call of Duty videos that I didn't watch, to be fair. Not my cup of tea. For like four hours. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I do watch Let's Playing on YouTube, but they're not a Call of Duty. They're a variety of things, and I like Let's Playing. It's actually been really useful for me in play-by-play, -play, learning how to do better at play-by-play -play from Let's Playing. But you have videos on, you talked about, of course, some of the stories uh, that you've told on this sh on this show were told in YouTube videos. You've got stories about coming out and dealing with suicidal thoughts and dating. I mean, there's some incredible stuff. So what of the topics have you covered on your YouTube channel has been the most interesting for you to talk about? Because there's a lot of them. And I mean, they're all huge Pandora's boxes of, of just going way in depth on a ton of stuff. But what were the ones that you enjoyed talking about the most? Well, of course, I think the, you know, the most popular one on there is, of course, with me and uh, Darren Young. Yep. I, uh, I knew you were going to say that, which is perfectly fair because it's wrestling and we have yeah. to keep kayfabe on this show. Yeah, which I think for me was, I did that out of spite for, because I was just tired of talking about it, to be honest, like, because I've always gotten some heat 
because of that and, you know, who I was dating and, you know, who I like and things like that. So it was more of just a clear to air. Um, but, you know, of course, you have some people who felt some type of way about it and thought that, you know, we were coming for them or whatever. But um, so it was topics like that as far as, you know, interracial dating, um, you know, my first experience with a guy. It was more like I, it was first, it was just going to be a gaming channel. That's the reason why I got into YouTube because I'm a huge gamer. Um you know, so that's what it was originally from. But I remember when I did one video and I switched it up from gaming and it was more like just me talking. And I noticed how, like, a lot of people, like, were really, like, interested in comment and how, you know, more, how much more videos they want to see of me talking about just my life and being gay and this and that, um, that it kind of led me to start doing videos like that and opening up and talking about different things that, you know, you just won't find in an interview or an article or things like that. You know, it's coming right from the source. Um, and I was having fun with it. You know, I was having fun with it all. I kind of got in a little, um, little stuck right now because I, one of the things I told people is that, you know, there's only so many gay topics you can talk about. You know, it's not like it's like a hundred. Um as far as that's related to me, of course. And, and I think for me right now, why I haven't posted in like two, three weeks or however long is because it's like, I've covered just about everything. Like people want advice on coming out and- You did that. How, um, yeah, I remember that, um, you know, of course my first time, you know, my father catching me on grinding, which that was a silly one. Um, like stuff like that, like it feels like, like for me, I have to think, but it's like, I felt that like, cause I don't want the videos to be repetitive. Like I want, I don't mind talking about a gay topic, but I want it to be interesting as well. If, if you're going to do one going forward, you should, you should expand on what we talked about a little bit about like, what would it take to have an openly gay professional basketball player? What would that be like? I think that's something that people would like to hear about. We touched on it briefly, but I think that's a topic that people will be interested in because there have been two of them. You know, okay, there haven't been two. There have been more. But at the level, you know, like NBA or Europe or something like that, there's only been two in the NBA. So people would like to hear about that. You know, I think the tax this would be one. person in Europe, actually, uh, he just, and I think that's the difference with Europe. Um, I think he's over in, uh, I think he's in Greece. Uh, he came out not too long ago, actually. So there is an openly gay professor, but I think since he really didn't have, like, a, a big name, like, you know, that's why people aren't really, like, you know... So you could, you could do one on... Uh, what would it be like if somebody in the NBA came out? You know, something like that. What would that be like? What would yeah. they go through? What would they be experiencing? Who, you know, the things that you went through, you could go through a, a list of, like, the experiences. This is who came to talk to me. This is what happened. I remember these stories. You could tell some of the stories, like, when you came out and, you know, having to leave class because your phone's blowing up. I'm on ESPN. You know, things like that. And, and extrapolate that to what would it be like if an NBA player came out? You know, I think that's, that's a topic. And there's, there are a billion others I think you could get to. And I'm, I might not be the one to say that because uh, I focus a little bit here on just the sports side of it. But I, there are other topics. And I'm sure I can connect you with people who have good ideas on what to talk about. Pretty sure there are some, there, there are some good people out there who would willing to help you create content. Yeah, because the first thing for me, uh, I always tell people at the end of my videos, like, yeah, like, leave a comment down below. Um, 
uh, what else do you want me to talk about? Because I'm always like, you know, my brain is always racing. So for me, like, it's always get it's always good to get feedback for what people want to hear instead of me like making something up and talking about this. No, what do you want to hear? I think uh, that, that I think that there are gonna, we'll have some people. I'll get some people over your way, and we'll uh, we'll help find you some some topics to talk about. I'm sure that we could think of a, a couple that you haven't touched on yet. This is a wide dearth of stuff we could get to. I mean, this podcast was gone. According to my counter, an hour and 48 minutes, and that's before I add the editing stuff that I need to add onto it. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, I, I think about, just with you, and there's so much I think we, we, we couldn't get to. And I don't want to, again, do the show forever. Uh, so we'll start to wrap it up here. Like, you, you look back on everything you've experienced, everything you've gone through. It's been six years now since you, you came out and you did what you did. Uh, where do you, well, how do you look back on all of this? And how do you look back on all of your experiences uh, to go from where you were to where you got to to where you are now? Um, <laughs> what, a, what a journey. I mean, it's like it almost felt like it's been a very, 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 very long time, but it hasn't been. I mean, it's really from 2014 to now. Uh, it's only six years. It hasn't been that long, but it felt like it's been 10 plus years. The amount of stuff that I went through, um, let alone the San, me living in San Francisco, that felt like for at least five, six years, and it wasn't. That's just because of so much has happened while I was there. But Maybe that'll be for part two of this interview, which will be posted at some point in the future. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we might need another podcast for just San Francisco gay things, but I mean... Again, yeah, I, don't want this to be, I don't want this to last forever. That's uh, yeah. not, not fair to you, not fair to the listeners. I'm already making them listen to quite a bit of this show, so. Right, yeah, no, nah, that's a whole other topic. But I'm, I, like I told you earlier, like, I don't regret anything. I feel, I, and the reason why I can say that is just because of everything that has happened. Like, I could have easily crumbled after the basketball stuff didn't happen. Like, I could have easily, like, you know, just gave in just and just let myself go um but i didn't you know i you know one thing my mom always tells me and she always used to say this to me like you were put here for a purpose you were put on this earth for a reason so you will find that purpose on why you're here and you know for me to change careers like that and what i'm doing now I can completely understand why she said that. And like every day I wake up with a smile on my face of just how happy I am because I'm getting one day closer to when I'm able to announce because I haven't gone in detail because I don't, you know, if I go in detail, I can easily just give it away going in detail. Cause you know, you have people out there who if you give them a little bit, they're going to try to figure out. Unfortunately, I'm a journalist, so some yes. of my colleagues do that. Um, yeah. So, like, if I if I told you, like, even if uh, it's just something small, me, you could tell me, and I will go tomorrow immediately back to what I was thinking about beforehand, which is, God, I just watched the most <laughs> dire game of soccer I've ever seen. Thankfully, <laughs> no, my what I mean by that is that it's so like, nah, trust me, the, the, this is you will not forget about it by all no, means. I know, that's I, I joke about that, but I. Like a lot of like people don't understand like because they don't because I didn't tell them but some people don't understand like this is really going to be groundbreaking. Stay tuned. Keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. This is going to be groundbreaking on so many levels 
because this has not yet happened. So it'll be a good YouTube video topic. How about that? I mean, no, I'm definitely going to do. I'm definitely going to uh, make a video for sure um, on it. But it's 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 for me to be happy every day consistently like this and just yeah, this is. This is exciting, and I'm just like I told you, I'm looking forward to you know letting everyone know. But yeah, I'm happy that I, I'm I'm just happy that I stuck with it, and you know just kept pushing and pushing and pushing because it led me to where I am today. And you've inspired a lot of people along the way, Derek. Where can people find you? I mean, we already talked about your YouTube channel, which uh, I guess we should mention again. But where else can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Of course, my Instagram account, which is it's Derek Gordon. And fa uh, not Facebook. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but that you can easily. Oh, who uses Facebook anymore? Other than um, it's a lot of people actually. Believe uh, Russian, it or not, Russian bots. Russian bots use Facebook. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think they're the only people on Facebook. But I still have a lot of I have a lot of friends on there, especially a lot of people from the community. I'm friends with on there, so. It's, it's just another oh, yeah, way to stay in touch with that too, but I mean, Facebook, it's fun to make fun of Facebook now, so. Yeah, because, I mean, you would never think people, because it's more like Twitter and Instagram, but no, a lot of, like for me, a lot of my gay friends are on Facebook, so, like, well, 95%. Stock, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. And uh, Twitter as well. Twitter is uh, Flash, the number two, Gordon. Not Twitter number, handle. Perfect Twitter handle. Gordon. Yeah, I so, like I like that Twitter handle bit. Derek, thank you so much. This has been a incredible thrill. You're awesome. This interview has been amazing, and your story has inspired so many. Thank you for coming on, and I can't wait to see what you're gonna do next. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun.